Welcome to this week's Insights Podcast on the Huddle Network. I'm David Campbell. And I'm Don Mills. Well, Don, a very interesting podcast discussion this week with Tyler Mathis, the CEO of the Cape Breton Partnership. You and I are actually here on site in Cape Breton uh, for the Cape Breton Partnership Investor uh, Summit tomorrow. And that's going to be very exciting. But I think uh, I think our listeners are going to really appreciate uh, what's going on in Cape Breton and the, the new, I think, uh, positive momentum that we're uh, we're getting a sense of here uh, in this region. Absolutely. And uh, the, the Cape Breton Partnership was formed not long after the Halifax Partnership, which I previously mentioned I had some involvement in and I was chair of that board. Uh, I really like the public-private uh, partnership model for economic development. In the case of the Cape Breton uh, Partnership, they have 120 private sector investors. It's a privately uh, led board, uh, which means it's quite businesslike um, with metrics and, <laughs> and strategic goals. Uh, they've recently uh, um, took uh, responsibility for all of Cape Breton, and uh, they uh, have uh, they basically are the economic development uh, agency for the whole island now. They have a couple of wrens under their uh, wing. Um, they work really closely with the indigenous communities. Uh, there's, a, there's a lot of positive momentum here, uh, including population growth, which we both know, and we're going to talk a little bit about that tomorrow, uh, is really important for economic prosperity. So a very encouraging conversation with Tyler. And, and by the way, <laughs> Tyler's from Alberta, folks. He moved here. That's, uh, that's, uh, that's a sign of the times, I think. <laughs> yeah, I think that's a, a, a good sign of the time. There's certainly a lot of positive leading indicators. We're seeing immigrant numbers up here. Uh, there's almost 1,200 uh, international students that have postgraduate work permits uh, mm. here. So that's more than in Moncton. So that's very interesting. And that's, of course, associated with Cape Breton University uh, and the work they're doing to attract international students. But even if a fraction of those graduates stay it's going to be very, very positive in the region. So I, I'm not suggesting there's no challenges here. There certainly are. Uh, but I'm getting a sense from the conversations I'm having that uh, there's a new sense of optimism. And I think you and I have talked about this, Don, you particularly about the success we've seen across the region in the largest urban centers, the Monctons, the Fredericktons, the Halifaxes. Uh, but now we need to see that level of growth in the second tier urban centers like Cape Breton and Miramichi and Edmonston and... Um, Otherwise, you know, if growth is just uh, concentrated in those largest urban centers, you know, we're not going to get the kind of momentum province-wide that we need to see. So I think, well, I think this is a good, a good uh, harbinger of the future. Yeah, and, and let's keep in mind that, you know, uh, the CBRM, I hate that term, by the way, as you know, let's call it Sydney for people who know where we're talking about, is really one of the larger urban centers in the region. And, and it's been underperforming for a long time. You know, it's hard to understand why it's been under, it's obviously evolved from an industrial uh, sort of uh, base to, uh, you know, it's kind of the new economy kinds of things that are going on. There's some good things at the Verschern Center. We've had them on the program. Obviously, lots of uh, good things going on at the university, lots of good things going on with the new McCartney, uh campus for NSCC. Uh, and all those things uh, are, are good for the long term. But uh, as we discussed with Tyler, there's still a, some attitudinal issues that have to be overcome uh, 
uh, in in Cape Breton in, in general, and um, and other areas of of the region have have similar issues attitudinally. And if you you, you need to have a, a positive attitude about the future to be successful, and I think that seems to be coming with leadership like Tyler's providing is very helpful. But that was the lesson of uh, former Premier Frank McKenna in New Brunswick in the early days. I mean, he just promoted, you know, even though there was this sort of negative attitude around places like Moncton, he just promoted the heck out of it. I mean, you know, you fake it till you make it. So, I mean, we need to, we need to, we need to promote and, and, and focus on the good things happening and, 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 uh, you know, because that's the, that's the place to start. I mean, I think you're absolutely right. If everybody's sort of negative on the community, uh, that's going to translate into, into, um, you know, it's it's not going to help the effort to try and turn things around. So let's let's get a positive attitude here, and I think we're starting to see some of that. So Could anyway, I just mention one any, thing. I just yeah, really please. want to make this a point because I think it's important. You know, um, CBRM has had a bit of a reputation as a whiny community looking for somebody else to solve their problems. I have a sense that that has changed, uh, and there's more uh, community leadership taking responsibility for their future now. And that's the only way, frankly, I think communities like CBM can be successful. I mean, it it happened a long time ago in Moncton when CN pulled out, the community came together and figured out their own future. And yep. and it's really up to uh, uh, people living in that community to determine what their future is going to be, in my opinion. I think you're absolutely right. It starts in the community. If you're waiting for Halifax or Ottawa to come in and save your bacon, you might be waiting an awful long time. So you starts locally, get the strategy in place, get a clear vision of the future, bring all the local partners around the table, and then go to the province and the feds and say, you know, get on this train because it's heading in the right direction and you want to be on that train with us. So without any further ado, here is our conversation with Tyler Mathis, the CEO of the Cape Breton Partnership. Tyler, welcome to the Insights Podcast. Thanks so much, uh, David and Don. It's uh, the Insights podcast is on my uh, favorites folder, a staple for trips, and it's a pleasure to be here. Oh, that's great to hear. Thanks. Uh, before we get down to business, I want to find out a little bit about uh, yourself and your background and, and how you came to be, uh, you know, uh, the CEO of the partnership. Uh, tell us a little bit about yourself, will you? Sure. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm happy to. Um, I'm, a, I'm a Cape Breton by choice. And uh, um, my path to the Cape Breton is a, is a classic Cape Breton immigration plan. Uh, I married a Cape Bretoner. So uh, that, uh, that definitely is a tried and true method. And it worked for me. And I'm glad to be here. Um, I actually grew up uh, on a mixed beef and grain farm in, in Scapa, Alberta. Um, and I completed a wood engineering t- technology diploma at SAIT. So I had my path was quite different. And uh, my decision to go to Dal really changed my life. I, I met a lot of Cape Bretoners who, who ended up moving home and starting new enterprises. And after finishing my degree, um, headed back to Alberta for a while and then to uh, northern BC, where I had a great mentor uh, in my first job in economic development. Uh, in southern BC, in Hope, where I was the executive director of uh, the first executive director of a, an organization very similar to the partnership called Advantage Hope. And very similar to the partnership when the partnership was small. And the partnership here has grown into, into a, an important entity on Cape Breton Island uh, since then. And these experiences really enabled me the fortune to have the skills required. Um, and I, I, was, I took the position uh, when the CBRM formed a regional enterprise network and was looking for a, uh, a person to take on the role um, in, within the, the newly formed REN. 
And last year, when my friend and predecessor, Carla Arsenault, moved on uh, to lead the transformation of the NSCC Marconi campus in Sydney, um, I was fortunate to build off her leadership that she, as she led us successfully through the pandemic. And, and here we are today in beautiful Inganesh at our first investor summit since the pandemic. And uh, it's exciting to be again on the podcast with you guys here. So Tyler, we're going to get you to tell us what a REN is in a minute. But before we do, can you tell us about the Cape Breton Partnership? When was it created? How was it structured and funded? Was it modeled after the Halifax Partnership? So tell us a little bit about the Cape Breton Partnership, the organization that you run. Um, yeah, at, at its core, uh, you know, the partnership remains a private sector-led economic development organization. Um, our core funding comes from approximately uh, 120 private sector companies that believe in our mission. And our mission is to transform Cape Breton Unamagi into the most uh, creative and prosperous place on earth. It's, it's bold and audacious, and uh, it reflects, I think, the value of our private sector core, our heart, our reason for being. Um, and while our partnership was formed around the same time as the Halifax partnership and took a lot of cues from the beginnings of that organization, uh, and we share that same DNA, uh, our, our organizations have evolved differently since we were created. Um, and as, as an island-wide organization, uh, our partnership doesn't just provide economic development services to a single uh, municipality. Uh, we, we are a connector and a convener between five municipalities, five Indigenous communities, and many other critical partners across uh, Cape Breton Unamagi. And so um, it, we were uniquely positioned to take on the role to administer regional enterprise networks when they uh, were formed, and we, we administer two of those networks. And I, I believe the province and our partners wisely chose, rather than forming up a new organization in an already crowded marketplace of, uh, of, of well-intentioned and, and good work, you know, it was seen that we have, a, have an active ship with with bought in investors, bringing their own money and talent and expertise to the table. And uh, merging that with this new opportunity seemed to be a, a good uh, role. And it, it allows us to leverage that core investment with, with First Nation and municipal and provincial money and deliver a full suite of services, uh, including business planning, advisory, and increasingly immigration um, and marketing and communications. And, and really, I'd say one of the big things I'll say too is that this, the RENs offered us an opportunity to truly collaborate between Indigenous communities and municipal organizations in ways that um, didn't happen as well before. I think both sides have grown in trust as a result of participation in this endeavor. Well, you know, I'm, I'm personally happy to have fewer economic development um, organizations. Uh, I wrote a column not that long ago. We've got a lot and uh, we spent a lot of money on economic development in this region, certainly north of a billion dollars a year based on my back of the envelope calculation. So it's good to have, you know, kind of one organization responsible for the entire island of Cape Breton. I'm very happy to, about that, uh, that evolution of the, the partnership. So uh, congrats on that. I want to find out a little bit about, uh, you know, kind of your key strategic goals, because one of the things that private-led organization like the partnership is that it uses business principles to run the business, obviously. And part of that is having good planning and a focus. So tell us a little bit about your strategic uh, goals, would you? Sure. So you know, we, we, because we have kind of multiple hats uh, with our organization, we boil down, you know, into a tagline of promote, grow, and connect. And so uh, we, we can bring everything that we do under those things. So promoting our island is a, is a great place to do business and live in. 
um, and there's a suite of, of, of opportunities that we can partner and provide assistance to, to do that and to grow. Normally, and we'll get to growth later, but uh, when we say we're about grow, we're about growing a culture that values entrepreneurship and, and values uh, a can-do attitude. And, uh, you know, normally an economic development agency would say we're all about growing the economy and we, and we do believe that and growing our population and we do believe that. Um, but what has given us success is growing a new culture that believes that um, we have a bright future. And, uh, and I think that's where our core of private sector investors uh, constantly feeds into our staff and our, and our reason for being. And then connect. Uh, connect is a number of things. It's connecting people and entrepreneurs to the resources they require. And it's connecting newcomers, whether they're new investors or new people who want to live here, to a community that wants to support them and, and values uh, their new contribution to our island. Um, you know, and, and our strategic goals, you know, blow, kind of flow out of that. Um, they, they are, you know, we're leading the implementation of economic development strategies that we can tie back to that promote, grow and connect mantra. Um, we can leverage local strengths. Uh, again, to, to focus on that rather than seeking to be good at things that uh, we don't have deep expertise in, we can leverage those local strengths. And, um, you know, to grow in the traditional sense, uh, we believe that culture will, in fact, lead to economic and population growth. And, and finally, I'd, I'd say supporting in our connect, we support Main Street entrepreneurship with our partners. And we think that's uh, critically important to, to have a place that's great to live in. Uh, but we also want to support innovation-driven entrepreneurship. And sometimes we have a role to play there, oftentimes in the immigration end of things. And sometimes we're a cheerleader and a supporter uh, when it comes to uh, supporting our partners at Navigate Startup House or uh, InnovaCore and soon-to-be Invest Nova Scotia. What are your key metrics that you use to measure success? Yeah, so our key metrics, um, we've been measuring, uh, because in small communities, measuring outcomes, you know, is something we always want to go towards. So outcomes of, you know, increased levels of entrepreneurship or increased levels of investment, uh, you know, but it's, it is difficult to tie our efforts to those, to those outcomes because they take time. Um, and at, attributing the growth in those areas to our efforts specifically sometimes diminishes and oftentimes diminishes the role that individual entrepreneurs and investors uh, do and, and sometimes municipalities for, you know, creating better opportunities for growth. So we on our, our metrics when we're presenting to our boards, uh, we have focused on files open. So uh, and conversations we've started. Um, business plans has been a great one because it's, it's an actual tangible uh, product that we're able to uh, provide to our clients in a, in a needed space uh, that the private sector isn't operating in. So business plans are great on our immigration side, it's designations, it's endorsements. Um, and then uh, we, we do use what's called business advisory services, which, which is generic. Um, however, again, we find that um, just like our connector program that measures how many times we've been able to connect a connectee to a connector and, and creating that virtual virtuous cycle for them to feel at home in our communities. Uh, we believe business advisory services are the same way. It might not seem like much to give someone a, a simple advice as to where, you know, what accountant they should, they could go talk to if, with, with their, uh, with their uh, new business idea, or perhaps uh, introducing them to the planner that they need to talk to before they break ground on their new building. Um, but those things are important over time. So we are measuring those activities rather than the outcomes and we believe that um, by having partners around us that believe in what we do, um, we have that base level of trust that having an economic development organization care about new entrepreneurs and new investors 
matters and is important to, uh, to invest in. I often use the analogy of a fire station. We don't uh, measure the effectiveness on a fire station necessarily on how many fires they put out. Hopefully there's fewer every year, but uh, we do expect them to go out with outreach to the community and teach about fire safety. And, and, and over time, we trust that that activity is actually reducing the amount of fires in the same way we trust that our activity is actually increasing a culture of entrepreneurship. And uh, we believe by measuring these, these activities that uh, builds trust with our partners. Am I uh, correct uh, to understand that you're responsible for the population growth strategy uh, for at least CBRM? Is that correct? Um, yeah, and we've been actually been, uh, full disclosure, working with David uh, in his other uh, capacity on, on some of this work. Um, we, uh, th- through, and we'll get to the regional enterprise networks, but through that model, um, it's not just the, the CBRM, uh, but it's also um, the entire islands who are working on a, a strategy that's required through the REN model for the island um, as a whole. Um, and we've just completed a preliminary strategy for CBRM. Um, and I, I would say we are responsible as part of our mandate to create a strategy, but that strategy doesn't have the Cape Breton Partnership as the uh, lead organization on, on every single uh, activity there. There are great organizations here um, and, and partners in the province with labor skills and immigration um, and with um, the YMCA delivering uh, opportunities for employers and so on. Um, but absolutely, um, our core expertise, uh, having certified immigration consultants in-house uh, and delivering some of the services of uh, the province with respect to the Atlantic Immigration Pilot or the Provincial Nominee Program gives us a unique um, spot in that uh, strategy. And uh, it's something that we take, uh, we take very seriously and we're doing really good at. Okay, Tyler. So how many people are employed by the partnership and what roughly is your annual budget? Um, yeah. So as I mentioned earlier, that we leverage our, our private sector core to make, to make sure we retain an, in, an independent core uh, from, from government and our contracts and our responsibilities. We, with our RENs, we, ha- we maintain a core team of about 10 full-time equivalents. Um, and that's taking uh, the contributions from First Nations and municipalities as half and the province of Nova Scotia for the other half to be approximately 1.4 million annually. Uh, and so we take that core team of, of 10 individuals and the, the programming that they administer, and we're then able to leverage that to, to, for economies of scale to have approximately another 14 employees with various uh, programs that run things like our workplace inclusion initiative, our Building Tomorrow campaign that's working to attract new workers uh, and follow on investment from the, the five infrastructure projects. And, and the AIP coordinator that I mentioned earlier. So these other positions benefit from the core administration that the REN's enabled. Uh, we've referenced uh, the regional uh, enterprise network or REN's as, as they're called. Um, they have a bit of a mixed uh, reputation, I would say, in the province. Can you tell us about your relationship with the REN's? Starting with what a REN really is, um, the regional enterprise networks, because they're a collaboration between local municipalities and First Nations, providing half the funding and half the mandate, frankly, and then the province of Nova Scotia providing the other half of that equation, uh, they are understandably quite different in the regions that they operate. Um, So in our case, as I mentioned earlier, we do operate two regional enterprise networks uh, because it makes sense. Um, Our, you know, CBRM is a large urban center with uh, an already uh, agglomeration of a number of small communities. And it was seen that they really do need their own, their own, uh, staff focusing on the 
on the opportunities that are presented in the CBRM. So we do have a, 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 a we, we call it a, a, a REN board. It's drawn from our larger board and a separate set of, uh, of books and responsibilities for our, our staff that are working with the CBRM. And then with the, uh, the remainder, all other of the municipalities in Cape Breton Island and four First Nations, so Wegogama, um, Wagmacook, Eskazoni, and Member 2, join with the other uh, four municipalities to form the other REN. Um, and so that really at its core, it is that um, collaboration uh, that, fo- that allows us to build a unique um, uh, business plan, a unique uh, strategy, and, and then pursue the opportunities that are most suited uh, to the uh, region as a whole. Um, it allows us to ignore political boundaries, and it allows us to ensure that when the um, a structure called the Liaison Oversight Committee meets, which is some senior folks from the province, and then um, mayors, wardens, chiefs, or their, um, their, their designates and administration come together. Um, they, they are there for oversight, but not day-to-day direction on our business plans. And I, I think that is a reasonable um, uh, setup um, as they, they are providing funding. Um, we, we are continuing to advocate for uh, longer-term funding. Currently, these are year-to-year contracts, which makes uh, it difficult at times to pursue a strategy over multiple years or to ensure we have the workforce that wants to stick around for, for two or more years. Uh, however, uh, because we have a great reputation and we're able to layer some of the other uh, programs that I mentioned before, we do have organizational resilience, and uh, that uh, does allow us to have uh, a bit more of a gravitas in our area than some of the newer RENs who, who are you know, a separate organization that's brand new in their communities. So as for its relationship with the partnership, again, I would say at our core, we'd still remain that independent nonprofit status um, with a board that is private sector led um, and, uh, you know, and, and willing to, to in, ensure that the, the interests of that, of that private sector are, are continually served and monitored. And so while we operate regional enterprise networks in Cape Breton, we are not a regional enterprise network. We, we remain the Cape Breton Partnership. So um, CBRM recently completed a new economic development plan. You were sort of front and center in that, although, as you mentioned earlier, the plan has many different partners. But can you give us a few highlights of that new economic development plan for CBRM? There were some real standout highlights from CBRM Forward. It, it, as a process, um, it was not groundbreaking, but I would say cutting edge in Canada, uh, as it wasn't just an economic development strategy. And I've and I think uh, some of our listeners might, because they're you know active volunteers in their community and business people, they might be familiar with these kinds of strategies. And sometimes they're at odds with other objectives in your community. And CBRM Forward started at the very beginning uh, with a great relationship with the administration at CBRM, wanting to um, modernize some regulations and reduce red tape and take a look at um, some of the things that that they internally have to tackle uh, as part of their organization, but wanting to marry it with the economic goals of the community. And so, um, you know, that it's, it's, it's not just an economic development strategy. It's an update to the planning regulations. Uh, it's an update to enabling uh, regulations. And, and it's really looking at things like density and uh, population growth and uh, um, recreation strategies. And in that way, it's comprehensive. And it's um, future-proofing an economic development strategy from being stuck on a shelf and, and not applied. Uh, it, it, it's, it was first in the line on this process, and it's being referenced throughout all of these other activities. So that was the first standout. Second was an overwhelming majority of people 
who participated in the surveys, focus groups, the Zoom calls, because we did a lot of this over COVID um, and similar engagements. They really believe that growth is the way forward. Uh, you know, they had lots of very thoughtful ideas about smart growth, about growth that um, didn't, uh, you know, pave, pave paradise, uh, growth that didn't, um, you know, damage the environment, that respected the unique things like the UNESCO biosphere, the Bordeaux Lakes, uh, or our coastlines. Um, but growth, nonetheless, uh, there from from you know small homeowners to big businesses, everyone is excited uh, to see uh, the CBRM's communities grow into the size they used to be uh, when when this was a, a thriving industrial uh, area um, and and surpassing it in in new ways that's cleaner, uh, greener, and and more sustainable in terms of uh, a place that people want to live and work uh, for, for their lifetimes and for their children's lifetimes. Um, and last, you know, adding up all the opportunities itself that, that it really highlighted, many of these were we, we had seen and we have the privilege from our vantage point of seeing lots of the opportunities in these industries. But at these uh, engagement sessions, you know, we, we saw the existing strength of our fisheries and aquaculture and some of the new technologies that are available in, in that space to, to feed not only Canada, but the world, uh, commercial land and the availability that's here and the affordability and uh, the proximity uh, to deep water and, and transportation links and the bioeconomy. Uh, the Vashurn Center is doing amazing work and they've been on your podcast before, um, but uh, the great work of pumping out new biotech companies and their 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 formula for success uh, is something that um you know all of a sudden was there you know for those for those who weren't watching it was a miracle uh, for those who were working at it you know it was a tough slog but it's it's an amazing success story yeah and in the interest of full disclosure i did partner on that uh, my firm was partnered with dylan consulting uh, which is doing the broader planning so thank you for that summary uh, you're now sort of extending that out to a broader plan for the whole of Cape Breton Island for the four uh, four counties. What is different about that plan and when do you expect it to be completed? What's different about that plan is that it actually started uh, much before these other initiatives. Uh, it was largely completed uh, in March of 2020. And then we woke up and realized the world had changed. And so um, we pivoted to uh, what many organizations did, uh, programs to support uh, businesses that were impacted, um, trying to figure out what this new reality was like and realizing we can't launch a strategy that is already obsolete. And so the great work uh, that was done there, uh, Group ATN and, uh, and M5 and others had, had done some great work for us and, and it was parked. And so uh, over this time, CBRM Forward happened um, and we now um, are at a place where, you know, barring another hurricane, we are able to uh, reconvene, um, look at this data in a fresh way, take new data that's coming from the census uh, this November and um, reevaluate that, that information with um, some new ideas and some new realities and present it uh, to the people that put in so much work over the last, you know, not just not just a year, but actually three years, because they, they, a lot of work was done before. Um, the difference of this plan is, is really in, in geographic scope. And so while the, the CBRM remains a, an urban center in, in Cape Breton Island, uh, Port Hawkesbury is a, um, is a focus in the strait area, and, the, and there's amazing uh, interest in the strait, and not just on the Cape Breton side, but on the Guysburg and Anaganish side as well. And so taking into account these realities of a region that has two ports, two airports, 
a thriving fishery throughout the entire island, um, uh, a tourism industry that is as important to Lewisburg and CBRM as it is to Inganesh and Cape Smoky, um, and able to knit those together into a strategy that, that really services both uh, vibrant rural communities, em- emerging or re-emerging uh, urban communities, um, and, and new economies that, that work in both. Uh, Tyler, the economy in Cape Breton uh, has struggled, obviously, for a number of years with the decline of the industrial activity in the 80s and 90s. Uh, there have been some positive uh, signs recently. The number of permanent residents coming to the island is on a record pace so far for 2022. That's great news. According to Statistics Canada, the number of uh, young people, 25 to 34, in the workforce has risen by nearly 14% between 2016 and 2020. So I guess the pandemic didn't hurt there. Uh, do you think the island is reaching a turning point in its history? And the short answer is yes, absolutely. Um, I, I, probably it's most significant turning point in the last 50 years, um, if not if not more. And, and we're, you know, our, our part of this, um, and we are not the only part by any means, but our part of this is really focused on on that immigration angle. Um, during the the Atlantic Immigration Pilot is now a program, as you know. But during the five years we administered it as a pilot, you know, we we enabled 196 businesses to to achieve their designations, and um, 528 individuals received endorsements, with 400 of those in Cape Breton, and together that that equates to 857 new residents in Nova Scotia that are directly attributed to the work of our, our immigration team. And, you know, that's that's not a lot in a place like Toronto or, or Vancouver, but it's, it is a lot here. And, it, and it's a virtuous cycle with the efforts of CBU and their international student recruitment. It's a virtuous cycle with our individual companies who are recruiting not just uh, um, internationally, but domestically as well. And they're selling a quality of life. Um, they're selling a quality of place. And, and we're being successful in it. And so, you know, those are really encouraging statistics. And, and like, I'd like to, you know, I, I, we are very proud of the role we're playing, um, but in some ways we're riding the wave and we're standing on the shoulders of those who've, who've worked hard to get to this place, to be a place that still has a, you know, a heartbeat of culture and, and a place that people want to really be. Yeah, I always like to say that, you know, there can be no really um, economic prosperity without growth, especially population growth, something that our region has lacked uh, for, you know, most of the last 50 years until only recently. You can see the dynamic changes that are happening as a result of population growth. You know, when the country is growing 1% a year on average, it means 1% a year, you have more people looking for uh, housing and for clothing and for food, you know, it, it creates its own economic growth. Uh, and uh, finally, we're starting to see that uh, right across the region. Uh, I wanted to ask you uh, as a follow-up, what are the industries best poised to grow across the, across Cape Breton, in your opinion? Well, I think if we have to start first with with our, our traditional strong sectors. And I, I think there, there's a recent report out at uh, the Minister's Conference for Aquaculture and Fisheries that really highlighted the impact that, that that industry is having across Nova Scotia and a huge part of it in, in Cape Breton. And so, um, you know, part of our investors, Lewisburg Seafoods and the Victoria Cooperative Fisheries Limited and uh, Lobsters R Us in uh, Richmond County, you know, these are these are big businesses and they're in really rural areas. And so these are very well poised to grow uh, and they already are growing. 
Uh, they are the ones that are going after international uh, workers to, to grow their workforce. They're the ones that during the pandemic were uh, adapting to new technologies that allowed them to continue their, their work. And they're ones that are leading the region in terms of export. So, you know, that's, that is growing and it, it's going to continue to grow. Um, and I think what's really neat in some of the, some of the new technologies will be um, how uh, farmed products or, or, or differently harvested products, uh, polycultures with, with uh, um, shellfish and seaweed, um, a great a great organization called a shout out to Arc of the Coast that's based in Gabarus. They've been working really hard to to activate uh, the excitement around this, and not only the economic opportunities, but uh, potential opportunities to really impact climate change and uh, and uh, acidification of our oceans. So you have a great strong industry that can advocate for itself and and stand on its economic merits that can really make a difference to our communities as well as our environment. Um, Port-related development is massive. We feel and we see ports on the eastern seaboard filling up. So this is not a zero-sum game where someone wins and someone else loses. You know, in our region alone, the Port of St. John going gangbusters and new rail lines being installed. And we see, again, we have two deep water ports, two deep water ice-free ports that are that uh, are underutilized. They, they are utilized, but uh, they most certainly can do more and be part of the solution uh, to a ge- changing geo- geopolitical um, situation in our world. Um, tourism continues. We, we had the opening of Celtic Colors uh, live this year, which was spectacular. Um, and so tourism is a big driver, not only our culture that's, that's driving that, but also our culture that's driving that. Um, but also the, the amazing work of, of some companies in Inverness and in Ganesh when it comes to new experiences. So it's, you know, top of the line golf experiences, top of the line resort experiences. And so tourism is a huge driver. And I'm going to rope into there what, what we kind of call it, that interchange, that cultural sector. So just last week, um, our Bill Culper, Creative Economy Development Officer, met with uh, uh site selectors for studios, including Netflix and A&E and Hulu right here in Cape Breton. And similar to the great work that DCBA did a number of years ago with travel writers, and they, they, they got them here, they showed them the place, you know, and a few years later, what did we see? We see uh, travel writers that um, were writing about Cape Breton being the number one island in Canada and in the world. And so I, uh, this culture can trans, you know, transform into economic opportunity, um, as well as just being valuable in and of itself. So those are some industries that I think are, are going to continue to grow. And I'm, I'm not really going to dwell on energy because you guys have talked a lot about energy and the hydrogen plays and the offshore wind plays. And I will say, though, that the work, the Strait of Canso um, has been you know, positioning itself well, not because it had a great marketing pitch, but it, because it's a spectacular place uh, for this particular industry. And so that that will be building off the robust energy infrastructure already in our region. And uh, that would be the, the uh, uh, growth center for our community as well. At the Investor Summit uh, tomorrow, Don and I will be hosting a panel discussion on workforce development. It's a huge issue across uh, Cape Breton and across actually uh, Atlantic Canada and across the country, really. Job vacancies have doubled since the start of the pandemic in Cape Breton. So it does seem to be also affecting the economy locally. Are you concerned about 
the tightening workforce and what are you you and your partners doing to address that uh, in Cape Breton? Yeah, absolutely concerned. Uh, but the the good news is that is that we are on an even playing field. Um, there are worker shortages across this nation, and um, and we have a competitive advantage for attracting workers not only from other parts of Canada um, but from the world uh, because we are. Uh, a great place to be. We have a culture, we have an attachment to this place and we want to bring people here. I, I'm proof of that. You know, <laughs> And there's a number of, of people like me who've been compelled to come by family members and friends who, who look at Cape Breton and, and they talk about home and uh, you know, they talk about home like Cape Breton is the only place you could consider home. And so you have this attachment to the place um, that's infectious and so that, that is a competitive advantage. It's, it's tough to, you know, sink your teeth into at times, but it absolutely is a competitive advantage. And I would say from, from my point of view as a, as a white male who lives in Cape Breton, um, it, my attraction to this place actually pales in comparison to the, to the attachment to the land that our, that our surging Indigenous communities have. Um, they are our growth centers, um, and they are really driving the economy here, and they're part of... Um, you know, bringing us into a future that's much, much brighter. Um, so while we are concerned about this, we see those bright spots of, of being a very competitive uh, in, in the marketplace of being a place that people want to live. Um, and I, I think, you know, there are other tangible actions that we and partners are taking. Uh, Anchor Recruiting is a new um, company that's been, that's been formed here in Cape Breton. Um, we ourselves launched the Cape Breton Job Board, which is a, uh, a job site which is with as many or more features than, than Indeed or, or, or others. And I don't want to throw anyone under the bus, but ours is the only one that's just focused on our area because we found, uh, you know, we, we tell people about jobs that are posted on, on Facebook or another job platform. And inevitably, um, a good portion of them end up, end up finding jobs somewhere else, which is, you know, the purpose of those platforms. The purpose of our platforms is to connect Cape Breton employers with, with Cape Breton job seekers um, alone and also to have a great experience for both parties to uh, so they can be connected to our immigration and, and people attraction services. So if there's any hiccups in that in that regard, it can be uh, headed off at the pass. So so there's some you know practical ways we're we're uh, you know addressing the challenges, but uh, really I think those are added on to that strategic advantage we have. So, Tyler, Cape Breton University has been making waves in recent years. Can you tell us a little bit about how they are supporting economic and population growth in the area? They are supporting both of those things in, in spades. You know, uh, CBU was reported recently to uh, be approaching, uh, I think it's the third largest university now by, by undergraduate en en enrollment in Nova Scotia. Um, and that is by far driven by their international recruitment. And so... Uh, and, and I think it's Boyd, uh, their, their leadership has pushed some, some, some new thinking when it comes to international students and the role they play in our, in our society. So with the recent announcement, allowing those students to now work 40 hours instead of 20 and treating them like Canadian students, uh, spectacular. And, but I think without cr pushing the boundaries of, of a, a large population of students that not only can work, but desperately want to work, want to contribute, um, I'm not sure if those policies decisions would have been made so that they're definitely supporting population growth in that. And they're feeding that pipeline of, of graduate work permits um, and people who are interested, you know, our community is not going to keep every one of those undergraduates. They're, of course not. 
Um, they have their lives to live. They have different places they want to be. But we certainly want to provide opportunities for those who want to entertain a, a life here, whether it's being an employee or an employer or, um, or an academic and many opportunities that we're seeing in our current economy here. And, you know, we have uh, new new businesses opened from, from the different waves, I guess, of, of enrollment at CBU. We've had uh, great folks from, from a large portion of Egyptians that, that were here um, uh, for a while and Chinese students that are coming. And, and now a lot of Indian students are coming and they're, they're all bringing their new flavors in ways that previously to our community, we had Ukrainians and Eastern Europeans coming for, for coal mining and steel making jobs. And so they're building into that new narrative of a mosaic. And but even more strong is that they're able to see a resurgent and a strong indigenous community um, taking a leadership role and, um, you know, in a way in ways that the past didn't afford. And that, that's a great positive step forward for our community. I think another important element of immigrants that I've talked about quite a bit in the past is uh, the fact that they bring new energy and, and new attitudes, especially towards work. And uh, everybody benefits from that uh, from that new energy. Obviously, uh, you mentioned earlier that we uh, previously had uh, Beth Mason on from the Brochure and uh, Sustainability Center. That was a really interesting podcast. If anybody hasn't heard it already, uh, and some of the great work that they're doing, I, I'd like to ask you, you know, about your relationship with uh, with the center. Yeah, so the Vashuran Center, um, you know, great leader in the community and now, and now their own entity um, after they've kind of incubated themselves out of uh, CBU and, and charting their own path. So uh, the main, the main uh, collaboration we have uh, with the Vashuran Center, uh, in addition to just being a friend that we, we work with often, um, and, and I would point out that Beth was a former board member and really contributed to us in, in that manner as well. But um, Ascend Bio is a is a partnership between um, Innovacor and and the Vashuran Center, and it is a you know a program uh, an accelerator program for biotech uh, based companies, and it it merges uh, the bioreactors and the physical space that that the Vashuran offers uh, with the venture capital that uh, Innovacor can bring, and our our role um, has been on the immigration uh, end of things, and so uh, as those new companies come for the they don't, as I said, our, our strategic advantage is that we're a great place to live and want to be. Many of these companies don't care about that at all. They, they care about a bioreactor and a program that's not going to demand an equity stake in their startup. So they're coming and then they need assistance uh, and education with pathways to get the people they need. Um, oftentimes these folks are unique and specialized talent you can't normally find in Canada. And so that is, that is therefore eligible for a a program called the Global Skills Strategy with the federal government, and we're our referral partner. So that's where we can come alongside, uh, refer the folks that are re- that are required, ensure they, they go through the proper paperwork and get the advice they re- require so they don't have to do it more than once, um, and, and in a reasonably timely fashion. Um, sometimes in as little as six weeks, we can get a, a work permit going through, and they can get the talent from anywhere in the globe uh, that they require That uh, that is something that, you know, we can't, we don't have, in the future, we most certainly want to have, but we don't have a great, a great big talent pool of scientists with 10 plus years of experience. And so then after that, it remains a partnership. Sure, we've got them here on the auspices of a program that works really well for them, but then we want to keep them here. And we do that through the welcome network and, and other ways to make sure they get integrated into our communities in a meaningful way. And they're able to, and again, we're, we're not going to keep 
all of these companies. Uh, we, you know, we're a global marketplace, but we absolutely want to keep the ones where we have a, a niche that is that works for them and uh, grow them here in Cape Breton. I just want to ask you also about the NSCC, which is obviously building a new campus in downtown Sydney. Uh, what kind of role uh, or relationship do you do you have with NSCC? Because they're obviously important to uh, the economy and CBRM. Yeah, absolutely. And, and uh, we have a unique advantage there. Uh, my predecessor leading uh, that transformation, uh, Carla Arsenault, and uh, that campus is not just a new location. It's a it is transformative. It's a new it's a new way for NSCC Marconi to interact with, with our community and, and provide new services. So there's, there's street level um, interactions between our population and the students that are going there. Um, we, uh, you know, we're, we're looking towards a future where, you know, the water lots are there and, and in front in Sydney Harbor and accessible. And in that way, it can connect with the straight area campus as well, which, uh, and the nautical Institute there. And a bucked place, which is an ocean innovation center there in the Strait that we're that we're partnering with NSCC. But I see increasing collaboration between those two campuses. Um, we when uh, their cybersecurity, I know, is a is a is a very um, well known product and uh, plugged into computer science programs elsewhere. Um, and so I think by having it visible in our community, um, it, it makes a big difference for people to see NSCC as a as an opportunity for trades, uh, for ongoing uh, skills development, and a new economy where not, well, I'd say few uh, folks that are getting educations will stop at a single uh, diploma or degree or certification. Um, but as our world has has very fast changing needs, um, continued upskilling or reskilling uh, at at an employer's pace or, or at a person who wants to go in a new direction is, is vital. And NSCC is one of those partners that, that will continue to be that. Uh, we're definitely see under Don Bureau a change um, with their mentality. They're still focused on the communities that they're in and dedicated to their communities, but increasingly seeing that interaction between international students and that, that global village where um, the, the distance education through the, to the pandemic showed that both can coexist. And so I, I think um, even though the, the two campuses of CBU and NSCC will be physically further apart um, in our community, they, they likely will collaborate even, even closer in the future as the, uh, as this, as the education industry uh, changes uh, and is more nimble. Tyler, we just have a few more questions for you here uh, to wrap up, but I did want to ask you about entrepreneurship. CBRM in particular has a lower rate of entrepreneurship compared to other sort of peer municipalities across Canada. That could be sort of historical with the, with the industrial base in the past, but, um, you know, we've seen entrepreneurial movements take off in places like Moncton and other places that were looking at a renaissance. A lot of that was driven by new entrepreneurship. I know that's a passion for you and the organization, but what, what's the partnership doing to encourage more entrepreneurs to set up in, in CBRM and across the region? Absolutely. So it is a passion of ours and it's, it's absolutely in our business plans. It's in our strategies. Um, and I, I think it's in our DNA because, uh, again, we have that private sector core of on our board that's constantly ensuring that we don't stray from the, from the path of, of focusing on, on individual entrepreneurs um, or 
um, you know, what's sometimes called entrepreneurs, you know, companies that are growing uh, managers or, or collaborators or leaders that are moving their companies in new directions. Um, one of the things we did early on with our partners uh, prior to my, my time here at the partnership was to launch a, a website. And it's not just a website, it's a database. And to Don's point earlier, we, you know, there's a lot of organizations offering a lot of different services. And so this database helped us keep that list off of our desktops or or on our phones and out there for any individual to see and keep running. So that's not, we worked, you know, whenever we found out about a new program, we put it on that database, whether it's something we did or something someone else did. And we're looking forward to collaborating on that. Um, and that's, you know, indicative of the partnership we have with others. Um, and uh, in particular, I would say uh, Navigate Startup House locally uh, in, in Sydney uh, their focus is on growing those entrepreneurs, focus a, a bit more on the technology space, and they have some great uh, folks that have come out of their programs. Um, and I mentioned a Buck's Place before, the Ocean Innovation Centre. Um, working with um, MIT, with the Regional Entrepreneurship Acceleration Program, was really spectacular. Our, our group in the straight Cape Breton region were really able to see some, some of the barriers to entrepreneurship, um, specifically in rural areas. So a lack of... Uh, uh, scale up capital was one of them. And uh, one of our, the team members, uh, Chad Monroe with Halifax Biomedical doing some great work on uh, looking how to, how to crack that nut and what it means for our region so that startups and scale ups don't need to go to the, whatever the growth center happens to be for their particular place at any one time, whether that's, you know, Paris or Toronto or, or uh, Hong Kong because they, they float around. But what does it mean if, if you're a company that's in Mabu, Cape Breton, that wants to stay in Mabu, Cape Breton, but the only way for them to get money is to go somewhere else? And so um, th those are some barriers. That program was spectacular in identifying those. And I'd say internally, one of our, our services that uh, that is very well subscribed, and at any one time we have between 90 and 110 files open on our business planning service. And in that, our business planning advisor acts as a senior editor because oftentimes entrepreneurs, you know, maybe they're not a great writer and maybe they don't know how to pitch their, put their idea into a, into a format that's acceptable for the funder to look at uh, or even for their friends and family to look at to, to understand why they're asking them for money. Um, so that, that is a critical service that we bring to the table. But then that, that layers on with um, programs such as Mashup Labs that uh, that does their dream business program we had administered throughout the island and has another free cohort. So I think, you know, there is a number of services. And to your point earlier, Don, there's a lot of uh, partners. Um, and, and I think we need to focus some of these services, though, on the gaps. And the last one I'll mention is um, a partnership with the Sydney Credit Union that was micro lending for, for female entrepreneurs in particular. And uh, that was a real exercise in applying um, – new solutions to problems that were identified through research. And so we had uh, some research done that was trying to identify why aren't women um, creating new new ventures in Cape Breton at the pace that, that men do, and in particular, Indigenous women. And uh, part of it was seen um, was, was comfortable places for them to, to uh, feel welcome and encouraged and then funded, frankly. And so reducing some of these barriers and, and identifying those gaps and kind of, you know, in, in, in academia, they call it micro-credentialing. Well, I almost think it's like micro-programming. You know, what are these gaps? And we need to go after those places um, because these people are, are dedicated to their communities and we want them to succeed and, and consider entrepreneurship 
uh, as an option for them. Tyler, I have a I have a question that you may not like to hear, but one of the challenges I see for the partnership, and I've talked about this in the past, including with the previous mayor, Cecil Clark, is the current branding of the community. Um, branding the community with an acronym like CBRM, in my view, is a disservice to the work that you're trying to do to attract investment and people to the community. Uh, in Halifax, you know, uh, I was always against calling it HRM. Nobody knew what that was outside of the community. And when Mayor Savage got elected, he made it a point to start branding uh, the activities as Halifax. And I'm wondering, you know, and I've advocated for this, why, 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 don't, you, why don't you deal with this issue? I mean, you know, the, somebody needs to get this fixed. And, and like, if you look on the map, I don't see CBRM anywhere. But I do see Sydney almost on every world map. And uh, Sydney is a known brand. And uh, I remember Cecil used to say, well, I can't I can't deal with it directly because, you know, all, everybody would be upset about it. And, you know, I'm going to I'm going to work on calling it the Port of Sydney. That will be my way in of identifying where we are. But honestly, until you fix this, like you're you, you're basically, you know, limited in, in, in your success, don't you think? So I, I, I guess the question is, is there any discussion going on within the community to uh, community to address this issue right now? Um, yeah, so so the answer to the is there any discussion? Absolutely. Um, and I'll, I'll get back to that specifically. But I think uh, one one thing to, to keep in mind with the branding is that uh, Cape Breton, we when we've come to commonly refer to it as Cape Breton Unamagi because we're the latecomers. Um, but you know, is a strong brand in and of itself. So I totally agree. The CBRM is not on the maps and uh, it's a bit of an awkward uh, acronym. And uh, I I am not here to relitigate the past of amalgamation. And I certainly get my own earfuls uh, when it comes up in a coffee shop uh, or elsewhere. Um, but I, but, uh, you know, so what the work we're doing now, um, again, as a partnership is to promote the island and then to uh, promote the fact that we have an urban core, the second largest urban core in, in Nova Scotia. Um, and uh, and the second largest municipality in the in the region of the Maritime. So, um, you know, Cape Breton as a place where there's rural opportunities and there's urban opportunities um, is something that we do in, on the Welcome to Cape Breton.ca site. And so we focus in on that Cape Breton branding when it comes to most of our marketing materials, um, and then focusing on the urban amenities that are available and the rural amenities. Um, I will say that you know CBRM has put this on their agenda. The current council as as branding is something they want to look at, and their staff is now as you know as you you pointed out all the challenges with that because lewisburg is is a fiercely independent uh, community um, new waterford has has a, a a major infrastructure project going on that's kind of raising its spirits as a community that that wants to 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 show its place in the world and its proximity to cbu and the north side uh a, a terminal with the with marine atlantic and uh and a you know a, a strong growing community in its own right um, and, and growing attention with developers and, and housing um, opportunities as well, and not to mention the Northside Business Park. So um, I agree that um, it, it is awkward, and I think um, it's the very same challenge that Halifax has gone through, through HRM and, and what, they're, what they're going to brand. And I think there's a few ways to the, to the future of what we're going to call this. But I, I, and I think it is easier to market. And when we, when we go and people ask us, well, where's... Where's the city? And of course, we say, well, downtown Sydney is is the is the urban core of the area, and we 
and we characterize that uh, as they seek information about what that is. Going forward, it is uh, it is ultimately at uh, CBRM's feet as to what they want to be called. Um, but um, you know, from a marketing perspective, you know, it's our job to pull out those opportunities and to call a spade a spade. And so, the corporation of CBRM can continue to function and provide services to its citizens. You know, and how we market it outside the community. Uh, as well, I live I live in a place called Cox Heath, and you won't find that on a map anywhere. Um, but uh, if I go next door to Benyon or or to uh, Blackett's Lake, I'm most certainly from Cox Heath, and I'm not from any of those other places. And so locally, we can have those discussions. Um, but with newcomers coming in and reminding us about those realities, that's that's the key. Um, if we continue to look to the to the past and relitigate those challenges that we've had, um, I, I think it does a disservice to the strength of the current communities. Um, I feel uh, in, in places like uh, GVRD, you know, is now Metro Vancouver. Um, we have uh, the GTA, and most people just know it as Toronto. Um, and so, and where I grew up in Scap, Alberta, you actually will find it on a map, and that's because there's nothing else there. I had to put something on the map. But really, I say I'm from Han, Alberta. And so um, it's the same thing uh, here, and it doesn't, it doesn't disrespect these other places. So, Tyler, just one last question. We've taken up almost a full hour here, but economic development and, and population growth and these things that you're working on really have to be led locally. And we, 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 Don and I both believe that very strongly, but you have to have a strong partnership in the provincial and federal governments. So I, the, the last question for you is how's that partnership these days? Are the, are the province and feds buying into your, your ambitious growth plans and your, your vision for the future, both, uh, both at the partnership and at CBRM and the other municipalities? Is there a, a new willingness to support and get behind a growth agenda in, in Cape Breton? Yeah, short answer is yes. Um, we we are really encouraged by leadership of our, our local municipalities. And I one thing that we haven't touched on uh, that makes us unique with, with our partners is that we employ the economic development staff in Cape Breton exclusively. So if uh, there's no municipal economic development officers, I'll say municipal. The indigenous nations have their own corporations, and is a is a different beast because they operate in a different uh, in a different model. But for municipalities, um, we provide that service, and that allows us to hold a secret when when necessary, and it allows us to be at the management table when necessary, um, or to speak to council regarding a regulation. So you know that's fairly unique. In other places, uh, the extra layers cause some some conflict and sometimes some some turf discussions. But um, so our municipalities are, are great partners and our First Nations are great partners. And in fact, after uh, our CBRM Forward initiative, um, uh, one of the recommendations was longer term funding. And um, really the, the main reason for longer term funding for us is for employee recruitment and retention to allow us to have longer term contracts to ensure we get the right people in place to deliver these programs. Um, and uh not only was council supportive of our, our modest suggestion of a three-year contract, um, they, they went further and suggested something longer. So certainly the next time I'm in front of them, uh, we're going we're gonna to go a little bit longer and then bring that success, that, that trust to our other partners, the province, and say, listen, you know, our, our local partners really are buying into this, um, but we want, uh, you know, we, we expect the same from yourself. Um, federally, um, we do have... Uh, a track record already with a local immigration partnership being a three-year contract. And so I think increasingly the federal government is seeing the value of those, of those uh, longer term um, friendships and, and collaboration and, and initiatives. 
we will still have our one-off contracts. Of course, there, there needs to be flexibility here, but uh, increasingly we are seeing buy-in. And, um, and I, I think we have a unique strength where we are in, in terms of being a, a single entity, uh, but, but, it, but it's not a single entity in, in, in exclusivity because we, as I've said before, we have Navigate Startup House, we have some provincial crowns, we maintain those great relationships um, and we take the time to maintain those great relationships. And although the, the marketplace might be crowded, most of the programs offered do do serve different segments of our community and, and do uh, look to promote individual opportunities like Ascend Bio, um, like, like a Novacore or a soon-to-be Invest Nova Scotia. These are offering different solutions to different problems. And when that happens, we can really collaborate in, in meaningful ways. Well, Tyler, I'd like to thank you for being a guest on the Insights Podcast, uh, you know, to give us an overview of the work that you're doing. And, uh, you know, I think that uh, David and I would both agree that there's some really positive signs about what's going on in Cape Breton generally, and especially in in the urban center of uh, Sydney. (laughs) And um, I think that uh, every every part of the, uh, everybody wins by the success of all communities being successful and prosperous. And uh, so uh, congrats on, on the work that you're doing and we want to wish you all the best going forward. Thanks so much. And thanks for your work on the podcast. It's really shining a light on the great opportunities and some of the unique challenges. And without those conversations, uh, we're not able to, to overcome and, and grow. And so uh, it's been a pleasure. You've been listening to the latest episode of the Huddle Insights Podcast. Mark Legere helped produce this episode. You can follow the show and listen to past episodes on podcast platforms like Apple and Spotify. And if you've enjoyed listening, please recommend the show to a friend. Don and David will be back again next week.